In 2005, Mark Zuckerberg unsuccessfully tried to sell Facebook for $75 million. Back then, it was called The Facebook. This is Simple Joe for Sunday, June 6th, 2021. Back then, it was called The Facebook. Isn't that what it's called? The Facebook? I thought that's what it's called. I thought that's what it's called right now. $75 million. You know how much how much Facebook is worth right now? $280 billion. How'd you like to be that guy that, that Mark Zuckerberg offered to sell it for $75 million? Looking back now, and it's worth $280 billion. Unbelievable. I saw somewhere in a where where am I here? GoBankingRates.com is the is the website. Uh, 2.8 billion users. So what does that shake out to be? About 10, 10 million, 10 dollars per per Facebook user, something like that. I don't want to do live math. So anyway, it's worth a lot of money. And how'd you like to be that guy that was offered that that had a chance to buy it for 75 million dollars? Yeah, we look back at all kinds of regrets. Not quite that big, though, right? Hello, my friend. I'm Joe. Welcome to Simple Joe. I am so glad that you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad that we're all here together. We're going to hear uh, about the weather in Allison, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk a little bit about D-Day. I'm bringing in a special guest today, none other than Josh Miller, my son-in-law, who is all sorts of smart about all sorts of things. We saw a beautiful day today. It rained a little bit, but it was the sun finally came out enough to enough to hang out outside for a little bit. 84 for a high and 67 for a low. Monday, 82 for a high, 67 for a low. We're going to get some rain tomorrow. Tuesday, 85 and 68. Rain. Wednesday, 80 and 68. More rain. So we got rain, 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 all low 80. So do the best you can with it. I think we'll be okay. We need some rain here and there. For my friends in or near Allison, Pennsylvania, you're going to see very similar weather, although today was beautiful, partly sunny, uh, partly cloudy. can never tell the difference, but 80 degrees, 88 degrees for the high today, 70 for the low, but you're going to get rain too. Rain Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 87 and 68 Monday, 84 and 69 Tuesday, and 81 and 68 Wednesday. So again, just like your pals here in Cincinnati, make the best of the rain coming up. Thank you so much for listening, Allison, Pennsylvania. I certainly appreciate you. In 1755 today, Nathan Hale, American Revolutionary War Patriot, was born. Nathan Hale is famous for that line, I only regret that I have but one life to live for my country. He was born today in 1755 and died in 1776. How how interesting is that? He died in 1776. Eight, in 1939, Gary U.S. Bonds, the American blues singer, was born today. 1947, Robert England was born today. He played Freddie. I don't know if he's done some other small stuff here and there, but he's he's known as uh, as Freddie from A Nightmare on Elm Street, one of the creepiest characters in horror movie history as far as i'm concerned harvey firestein was born today 1954 beyond borg was born today famous uh tennis player beyond borg he was born today in 1956 in 1967 maybe 
easily one of my top three favorite actors in Paul Giamatti. Amazing actor. He was born today in 1967. Man, he and I are about the same age. He looks a lot older than me. Uh, he was great as John Adams uh, in the in the miniseries John Adams. But my favorite role of Paul Giamatti was his role as the apartment caretaker, maintenance person, caretaker, whatever you want to call him, in a movie called Lady in the Water by M. Night Shyamalan. Is there an N on the end of his name, M. Night Shyamalan? I don't know. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about, the guy with the twist at the end of his movies. This one was a different movie for him. It didn't quite have the twist at the end, but it's a good movie. And one of the most powerful scenes I've seen in a movie came from Paul Giamatti when he was he was trying to heal this woman, this mermaid, for lack of a better way of putting it. And he started to think back at his relationship with his deceased wife and his, uh, I think, was it his deceased wife? Did he have kids? Um, I think, yeah, his, his wife and kids died in a car accident, I believe. And he's holding this woman, uh, trying to heal her through this power he's supposed to have. Watch the movie. You'll get what I mean. He's trying to heal her. And then that, that moment takes him back to thinking about his wife and the regret that he had not being there for them and for his, his children. And it's just a, it's a powerful, powerful emotional scene. Uh, check out Lady in the Water uh, by M. Night Shyamalan with Paul Giamatti. Check it out. You'll see the scene, and I, I know you will appreciate it. 1974, Uncle Cracker was born today. His uh, real name is Matthew Schaefer. Uh, he, um, I think... He did a couple. Uh, he did a couple big hits. He had a couple big hits. Uh, Drift away, a remake. Drift away, and he had that song. Follow me. Good song. I like. I like his version of Drift Away. Pretty good. And in 1987, Daniel Logan was born today. He starred in as Boba Fett in Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. 75 years ago today, the National Basketball Association was created with 11 teams. The first drive-in theater opened in Camden, New Jersey, today in 1933. The first internet connection was created when network control protocols packets were sent from a from the data port of one IMP mini computer to another. Guess when that happened? Guess when the first internet connection was created? I'll bet you're probably saying sometime in the early 80s, maybe late 70s, 1969. I would have never guessed it happened that that far back. 1969 was the first internet connection created. And the video game Tetris was released today in 1984. And every time I pack my trunk for vacation, I thank God I spent about five years obsessed with Tetris. Today is National Eyewear Day. If you have glasses, you can celebrate Eyewear Day. National Higher Education Day. That's a good day to have. National Gardening Exercise Day. I, I guess you're getting exercise as you're pulling the weeds, but do you have to have a whole day for that? National Yo-Yo Day. Yo-Yo Day. Did you ever play with a yo-yo? I played with a yo-yo all the time. I had like this butterfly-shaped yo-yo. They called it the butterfly. It was kind of had had had. Uh, I don't know how you how you would describe the shape, but it kind of came out. It looked like a butterfly. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, and I loved, and I, I, I read a book on doing yo-yo tricks and I got, I got pretty good at rock the cradle and walk the dog and some of those things that you do as a yo-yoer, but yeah. So happy yo-yo day, happy national yo-yo day. My gosh, you don't want to, you don't want to eliminate it just to a 
state. It's National Yo-Yo Day. National Drive-In Movie Day. Well, we know why it's National Drive-In Movie Day because Drive-In Movie Day was first uh, first came out in 1933. Was it? Was that 1933? Yeah, 1933 was the first Drive-In Movie Day. So of course today would be National Drive-In Movie Day. Today is National Applesauce Cake Day. Never had applesauce cake, but I'll bet it's unbelievably good. I love applesauce. I love cake. Why not applesauce cake, right? And today is National Cancer Survivors Day. It's the first Sunday in June, uh, National Cancer Survivors Day. So you survivors of cancer out there, congratulations. So today is also the day. This is a day in history that is often looked over. It's not remembered in the way I think it it could be remembered, and the and the sacrifice that was made not only by not only by uh, American troops, but by uh, all of American allies at the time. So I have invited my son-in-law, Josh Miller, son-in-law extraordinaire, great guy, smart guy. He's my son-in-law. God bless him for that. Right? How does he deal with that? Hello, Josh. Hey, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Here's here's what I would like to ask you. Yeah. Uh, just what do you know about D-Day? And here's, here's, here's really why I'd like, to, I'd like to have you in to talk about it. First of all, again, you're a smart guy. Thank you. And uh, I know you know a lot about history, but also you're, you're part of a generation in your early 30s late 20s early 30s you're part of a generation that may not appreciate what d-day was all about and the significance that d-day played and why we need to remember d-day so if you don't mind tell us what you know about d-day and its significance well uh, i would say personally for me and and for a lot of people who are are my age and sort of the circles that i'm not i don't say involved in but people my age and i feel like my demographic like i feel like we have a very deep appreciation for for dd and the importance that it, it represented i mean it's easy to sometimes forget about how significant it was because we've been so very long without such like you say it was a massive invasion it was a massive effort and it was one of the most incredible uh military ventures that's ever been done and it was moving heaven and earth to make something happen and to strike back against nazi germany and it was it was remarkable to see all the little effort that went into a million plans just to make it work. And everything including praying for the weather. D-Day would be very significant because obviously this is when after having sort of made a concerted effort and gathered the strength with the United States to try to bridge the gap. They'd been, you know, pushing in, in Africa and and you know, trying to deal with Italy, and that wasn't going well for for Mussolini. And he was failing, but Nazi Germany was, you know, holding all the territory up to France, and they were making Britain suffer for having holding out against them. The Luftwaffe was engaged in a massive bombing campaign against England, and it was one of the most terrifying moments for them. They had the very best defense they could do, but there was very little. They there was it was a matter of very clever technology by the British and very brave young men in planes that they were stamping out as fast as they could because they were, they were losing them quickly against a very, very large and dedicated and trained Nazi Luftwaffe, their air force. And Britain was desperate. It was the last holdout of anybody in the Europe side. And it was the only chance to keep that front open because on the other side, you have Russia. And at this point, 
Russia's, you know, been on the ropes if they're not. I don't, I don't, I forget the timeline exactly where this was. Either Russia is either not engaged with Nazi Germany or they're engaged and they're losing. Um, I think, or they might be about to turn it because they had the Stalingrad fight, but we didn't really care about Russia then in the United States, England side of things, we wanted to push from our side. And so we had to get boots on the ground in France, which was a nightmare scenario because Nazi Germany had taken a lot of time to reinforce the, uh, the beaches across from England in case of the event of an invasion, they had sighted the beaches. It was suicide to try to attempt it. And the fact that it was successful was just a, it was nothing short of a miracle. Did you see the movie Saving Private Ryan? Of course I did. So the the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan was D-Day. Yes. Uh, and as I as I understand it... Yeah, I think that, that was the Omaha beach landing they were at. Right. And as I understand it, very historically accurate. Yeah, you, you might be even moving through the conversation towards there were a lot of veterans who were... Uh, who went to see the movie because they figured they might go see a world war two film and they watched the opening scene and they found themselves having to exit the theater because it had, it in fact uh, inspired uh, flashbacks and uh, from post-traumatic stress from just looking at it. And they all of a sudden were in the space and they found themselves very emotionally overwhelmed. D day was the, as I understand it, the largest invasion ever assembled before or since uh, what 150,000 allied troops, by sea and air, I mean to do uh, certainly to do something consecutively. I don't know. I'm I'm not good with numbers, but I can tell you that the notion that they were going to do all this at the same time and coordinate perfect landings and 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 also for just the amount of space that they were attacking and the number of countries that were involved and the number of ships and the number of tanks and the number of planes and paratroopers and and it was just yeah, it was a massive massive effort. They ultimately were successful the allied the allied forces were successful and uh this would this would lead to the liberation of western europe and the defeat of nazi germany and eventually the second world war is that too is that too significant uh the end of the second world war is that too is that too bold of a statement to make i think there is some thought that would disagree with you in certain respects because it's it's a lot to say that d-day is the turning point for the for the Western Front. It absolutely is. Um, but one thing I mentioned earlier is that at Stalingrad, uh, Russia began turning the tide of the war before we made any heady landing, to my knowledge. Um, Russia likes to remember that during the USSR, rather, at the time, liked to remember that because Churchill was kind of interested to just let Russia dangle in the wind while we figured something out because he didn't like communism. He didn't like Stalin. He was smart to not trust Stalin because he's not a trusty guy. You don't trust Stalin. It's a bad idea. Um, and so, but they did begin a push before we really had anything particularly potent to bring to the table against uh, uh, Russia or sorry, against Germany. Uh, but it, it it's just a matter of semantics of how much opening the front kept Russia from having to commit forces to Russia when they were pushing. Cause if they weren't fighting us in France, then Germany wouldn't have been fighting, would have been able to put more effort into Russia in the massive, uh, you know, Poland or somewhere else that they would have had to concentrate their forces to defend against Russian invasion. It's, 
it's a big semantics and it's a big contest of, you know, well, we could have done it without you, but that's really not true. It was a massive effort of, you know, Russia, the USSR, uh, French and, and Polish and Croatian and Yugoslavian and a whole bunch of other resistance fighters banding together in Dutch and, and everywhere in Swedish and every country had resistance fighters, um, where Nazi Germany was in a place and we banded with them with some of our early forces and, there's so many crazy stories of people that just did heroic things in various places across Europe and Northern Africa to make it a success for the allied powers. And it was just the effort of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of heroes. Well, it may not have been uh, the pivot point, but it certainly was a catalyst to the end of the Second World War. Without I would a doubt. say that. Without a doubt. You know, you, you say you're not good with numbers. Thankfully, I have some numbers here in front of me. In total, around 7,000 ships took part in the evasion, including 1,213 warships and 4,120 landing craft. Some 24,000, 24,000, Josh, allied troops were also dropped behind the enemy lines shortly after midnight. <sighs> On the day of the invasion, and 132,000 men landed on the beaches. Did you hear that? 132,000 men landed on the beaches. There's still people that'll find uh, metal from the where they'll go a metal detector on those beaches, and they'll still find pieces of stuff that Un people left on that beach. Unbelievable! It's insane the amount of bullets and the amount of just whatever they dropped. The troops were supported by 12,000 Allied aircraft, and 10,000 vehicles were delivered to the five beaches. 10,000 vehicles were delivered to the beaches on d-day alone 4,400 114 yeah 4,414 no 4,414 allied troops were confirmed to dead and more than 9,000 wounded or missing now we don't know the exact number of german casualties but the estimates are between 4,000 and 9,000 german casualties so a lot of life was lost and it was just sheer numbers overwhelming german forces what's what's amazing really is that this is it's siege war where you have someone who's attacking a defense a defended position and that's the worst situation there's nothing worse in war when you have to go at a place where they're dug in and you have to take it from them because like the like i said the germans had sighted the beach there were very few places to hide Moving those tanks onto the beaches from the the vehicles required getting teams on the ground of soldiers who could blow up the tank blocks so that they could get the tanks moving into places. You had to, um, you had to get the, those guys would sometimes just get mowed down the minute the Higgins boats those landing craft opened up. Um, it was it was just a nightmare. Like if you watch Saving Private Ryan, it was a nightmare. It was a whole nightmare. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up right there. Thanks for the history lesson, Josh. Thanks for the insight. You know, the reason I do the show every single day is to come here and talk to you. Uh, but I also do the show to become a better podcaster. I show up every day just to talk into this microphone. And I, I depend on you for input. You can email me at joe at thesimplejoe.com or send me a text at 513-399-6468. Just say hi if you want. If you want to give me a kind critique or a criticism, I would love to hear that. And if you appreciate listening to the show, if you like the show, do me a favor. Just share it with a couple friends via Facebook, email, Twitter, Smoke Signal. 
I don't care. Do whatever do whatever you need to do. Just go ahead and share the show. You can get Simple Joe t-shirts and other cool stuff at thesimplejoe.com slash store. Don't worry about remembering all these links and all this other stuff. It's it's in today's show notes. Uh either either at On Faith's Edge, uh, excuse me, On Faith's Edge. Um here's the here's the reason I said on Faith's Edge. Tonight, uh I released my first On Faith's Edge episode in probably a year and a half. I did it I interviewed a guy by the name of Ryan Atkins. Uh, who wrote an amazing book called One Step Closer. He's he's a paraplegic um, who, through faith in God, is living his life as a para- paraplegic. And check out that interview at onfaithsedge.com slash 129. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 129. I wasn't going to mention it, but apparently it was on top, on, on top of my mind because I accidentally said it. So you can get Simple Joe t-shirts and other cool stuff at thesimplejoe.com slash store thesimplejoe.com slash store. Josh, thank you so much for hanging out with me today, man. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you, pal. You know that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, love you, buddy. Love you too. Remember, memories are better than stuff. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. I love you, but not in a weird way. Talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Take care.